Reality, a podcast that combines lived experience with the scientific knowledge of burnout to help listeners prevent, recover, and grow from burnout. My name is Shannon Swales, a human and clinical psychologist with both lived experience and scientific knowledge and skills in burnout. It is my hope that the values of authenticity, compassion, wisdom, and community shine through in each and every episode of the pod. Episodes that share my own and others' lived experiences of burnout and interviews experts, guests to help listeners build awareness and hope to prevent, recover and grow from burnout. The views, opinions, tips and the like expressed by myself or my guests are not a replacement of personalised therapy. Just like I have done for myself and many of my guests, I encourage those of you that are suffering to seek professional help. Hi, and welcome to episode 28 of The Pod. In this episode, you get the chance to learn from the wisdom of Ange, a certified mindset and well-being coach, founder of The Conscious Living Hub and co-author of Goodbye Busy, Hello Happy, the magic of breaking up with busy and finding more time for joy. Our discussion flows from her own personal and professional journey and how this formed and developed into the steps that she shares with us in terms of the finding balance in this fast-paced world. And along the way, we explore and share uh, our own personal recovery um, and the challenges with that and also those that we work with in order to hopefully help serve you the listener we talk and discuss about many things such as uh, saying no communicating to loved ones the need for help uh, perfectionism Uh, but more than anything she shares with us and shares with us these five key steps to help go from busy to balanced whilst living in this fast-paced world with all the weight of expectations those pressures that come with it so tune in to discover how you can live as Ange puts it a full not busy life that is balanced and joyful Thank you for following When Burnout Becomes Reality podcast. Well, hello, Ange, and welcome to When Burnout Becomes Reality podcast. Lovely to finally have you here. Thanks, Shannon. I'm excited to be here and to um, share some wisdom in this yeah, really important conversation. Yeah, definitely. I absolutely love this topic that we're focusing on today. So busy to balance, uh, finding happiness in a fast paced world and that it is. Um, So first of all, I'd love to uh, get to know a little bit about Ange and help the listeners get to know about Ange personally, professionally. What what brings you to be talking about this topic with us? Yeah, thanks. Uh, So my I, I am now a mindset and well-being coach. And my journey started many, many years ago um, 
probably as a kid, you know, I was very active. I was, you know, introduced to the benefits of being physically active. And then when I went on to university, I chose to study sports science. I knew I was good at, uh, at the time, I knew I was good at science and sports. So I thought I'll combine the two, which is where my sort of um, passion for this area started. Um, and, you know, in that time, I, you know, got to learn a lot about epidemiology and nutrition and, the, you know, how we fuel our body. Um, and then when we when I entered the workforce, I sort of started to realize that you know you need so much more than physical and um, physical health. Um, that it's it's our mindset. You know, if our mindset's not sharp, and if we're not, um, you know, build adding tools and resources to our belt to help us cope when adversity hits. You know, we really really struggle. So, um. I didn't go straight into the field. I sort of did a bit of a sliding doors. I've ended up in marketing for quite a long period of my life. Um, and then like many of us, we have that personal story that hits, you know, there's that moment in your life when it just, you just can't go on for whatever reason. So yeah. um, mine was about, well, it probably started about eight years ago. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was, there was a lot going, there was a lot riding my world. I had, I was happily married. I had three kids. Um, but I had three kids under two. Mm. So um, that's, yeah, twins. So that's yeah. always, you know. <laughs> oh, a, I mean, the under two. Yeah. Um, I was a perfectionist. So I just kept, kept adding things into my life, which most people who experience burnout do. Mm. Um, and then my mum got cancer. Oh, so my whole, whole world just sort of got turned upside down. And yeah, um, yeah my body started to tell me I'd had enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's sort of, mm. I, I, like, I loved, I, I was always really passionate about it. Then those life just showed me, you know, mm. like if I want to enjoy life, I need to, I need to do something about my own personal world. Mm. Um, and my, my um, passions, you know, said well, like now's the time. I need to get into this mindset and well-being coaching. I need to retrain I need to get back into this passion that I had 20 years ago that had been idling along in the sidelines I'd been learning I'd been constantly doing that stuff but I hadn't given myself permission to do what brings me joy um mm. and to be balanced and to live the life that makes me happy which is why I've yeah, sort of uh, transformed my life um mm. and I'm now really proud of um the my full life that I live it's you know it's still yeah. um full of lots of great things but it's much more much more closely aligns with what makes me happy and therefore yeah. um and I was always a really altruistic person I like to help others so tying mm. the two together now just um yeah it's just a perfect perfect start for me perfect sort of new career yeah wow like that missing element in your own personal story the following what brings you joy, following your passion. And, and although that was um, curdling or, or forming on the outside, hadn't the words you just said given permission to, to do that and this crashing point in your life where, you know, multitude of stresses coming together, emotional events, um, you know, parenting, <laughs> you know, parenting, parenting three children under under two, oh my God, um, and twins and the complexities of that, which I've heard and, of and and of course your mum with cancer and so you know so many things um and yeah that that was a turning point to follow what brings yeah. you joy yeah. yeah wow and that brings and you been, to, yeah oh sorry I, was gonna say, I just said helping others you know yes. I, I think helping others 
know that they don't have to be on this path because I think mm. for me I stayed on it for too long you know like I just mm. kept doing the same thing and it wasn't serving me and so I you know once I gave my permission now yeah if I can help someone else give themselves permission to yeah take a risk and to make a change that's going to help them then you know that's it makes it a good day yeah so that the lessons the the life that you've led the lessons that you've learned and 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 changed and implemented is now what you're passing on to others and working with and it makes me think of your book that that that's the key in your book I'm just going to read out the, the name of it because it's just awesome goodbye busy hello happy the magic of breaking up with busy and finding more time for joy and what you shared about your personal story there is connecting your work life but life I imagine with what brings you joy and giving yourself permission so many of us are on a pathway and I, and I say us because I mean I can't talk with everybody else of course but people I've come across and work with and myself I was following a path but it wasn't a path that was truly connected to what bring or brought me joy um I don't know I was just leading a path I think almost blindly but then um yeah realizing it wasn't bringing me joy it wasn't aligned with what was of value importance or not completely but involved crashing, burning out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and perfectionism was a quality of mine too. Just when you said perfectionism, I'm like, oh, hello. Um, <laughs> and that, yeah, realizing joy was missing and that was an element I needed to connect with and find in, in my journey back into, um, back into, but into life and into work. Yeah. So, yeah, very similar stories. And I know a lot of people have them. Yeah, very common, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So let's get into this, you know. And one of the things I, I suppose I was really curious about in your work and, and in this discussion as we were preparing for this this chat was talking a bit more, sharing with the audience what you mean by this busy culture that we, you know, we find ourselves in, you know, that is something uh, that's a rife around the world too. Um, but, yeah, can you share a bit more about this busy culture? Yeah. Yeah, so I guess when we're referring to the busy culture, it's kind of referring to the pressure that society places on us. You know, um, we're told to constantly be active and productive at all costs. And when, you know, you do, you know, when I was younger, like if I sat on the couch, I was kind of, it was implied to me that I was being lazy. And so everything we do was, you know, you need to be alert, you need to be up, you need to be, you know, doing things. So I think... Um, and, and then a lot of praise comes with being busy, you know. So society is constantly telling us that, you know, if you're productive or you're efficient or you get things done, then you're, you know, you're uh, you're doing what society wants you to do and you get praised for it. So, yeah, um, yeah I think that's mm. at the crux of it, the, you know, the, the always being on, you know, and always yeah. on society. And then when you look around you, like everything's been engineered to make, our lives easier and to allow us to achieve more so you know in the good old days we didn't have fast food we had we didn't have washing machines and all these things have been introduced in, you know to try to give us that time yeah but instead of using that time for good we're using that time to just add 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 add, add and say we've done this this and this and we're still doing that and um mm -hmm. yeah it's just um never ending and then I yeah. think that final thing for me around the busyness the culture is that we can 
social media means that we can see it so much more frequently. So we're constantly being reminded about how much people are doing. <laughs> so we're like, mm -hmm. I need to do that too. I must have to do that too because everybody else is doing it. Everybody else yeah. can fit that much into their day mm -hmm. and achieve and be happy. So I must have to do that too. Yeah, that social media element definitely, like I love how you say it's so richness, it's that we can see this, yeah, this busyness in other people and then we feel a sense of, well, yeah, I've got to be too. And we've got such a strong innate uh, survival need to belong. And yeah. so it's quite innate for us to be swept up into that, even if we don't want to be because of our biology there of belonging. And if belonging means we've got to keep up with, you know, Joe Blow, <laughs> you know, but thousands of Joe Blows on the um, social media now, we do. Um, and I also love what you said there about, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, there's so many things that are designed to help us, you know, to quicken other processes in our life, which we could then use to, you know, um, fill up or not fill up, but, you know, like you said, for good, it might be, yeah, to take rest or, you know, connect, have that, you know, time with friends, family, whatever. But we continue to do, we continue to add, we continue to fast pace it. Um, and it made me think, I was watching a, so on Netflix, I uh, anyway, I was just watching this part of it. It wasn't what the whole Netflix show was about, but I was watching this uh, Italian family um, cooking a meal. And this was like a couple of years ago now, but I think it's an island and they are quite slow paced. Um, and, oh, that's right, this island's known for people living really longer, um, like average. And one of the things they were doing was what, you know, like, there's no fast food, I think, there or anything like that. They were actually slowing down and making things from scratch. You know, they were making the bread. They were making the pasta. And, you know, things just seemed slow and, and um, measured and well, slow and measured, slow connection, but it wasn't this fast doing, doing, doing. I mean, yeah, they're making their whole meal from scratch, but there seemed to be a lot of enjoyment in that. But it just was a reminder for me about um, the need for slow. Yeah. And I think that really ties in nicely to that sense of belonging as well. So there's a lot of research to show the value of connection and the value of yeah. cooking a meal and how that, you know, the sharing of a meal, how it brings people together. You know, that's why the kitchen is the centre of our homes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, more, more and more people need to embrace the centre of their home and use it to, mm. to connect and to to share you know we share stories when we connect we we always talk about what we're eating <laughs> so yeah I think yeah um, the, 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 I agree with yeah the cultures that are doing it well and the people mm. parts of society that um, are probably happier uh, mm. have, have nailed that connection piece of cooking and sharing a meal and passing yeah. on those traditions yeah in a slower paced um, society definitely like you know with this fast-paced you know, culture and this like busy culture, this, I also like some of my clients use this word to just do, 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 like I'm doing, 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 I just don't stop like the do, um, the doer, like I think they often say the doer. Um, yeah. Like I suppose you're talking to like, well, how is it affecting us? Like what the things that, you know, it's like the illnesses. And I know that's a very quite physiological world word, but I mean, illness in terms of emotionally mentally physically behaviorally you know like spiritually even you know how it affects us um trying to keep up with the joneses so to say <laughs> hmm. yeah well, i i think 
the main impact is that there's a lot of unhappy people in the world. You know, they might be ticking all the boxes and doing all the right things, but they're not smiling and they're just going through their paces. They're not present. You know, they're, um, they're you know, they lose their colour in their face. They um, look exhausted. They're, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's the impact it's having is that, um, and then they've, they've lost the connection. We're not connecting with, with our yeah. um, the people that we care about. Yeah. Um, and that's then you see, you know, then you see the impact that it has on them in their workplace because, you know, if they, if they are really entering that state of burnout, then, you know, they start to make mistakes and they um, their physical health really deteriorates and, um, yeah, but hopefully we catch them before then. We want to try to catch people before they yeah. State of burnout and hit them in that earlier phase where yeah they're exhausted, mm-hmm. um, but if they can start to see the warning signs and the more conversations we have, um, that help people go oh yeah I, I see that in myself or I can yeah. see I'm starting on that path or I'm not experiencing that yet but yeah that's me uh, you know hopefully we can catch them earlier and they can um, start to make changes in their life that ensures they they don't have a you know a huge burnout story of their yeah. own. Yeah, no, definitely prevention or catching it early, like any any condition, anything, it's it's better than um, you know, at the later stages. Still possible to do something at the later stages, but yeah, we want to catch early, definitely. And that's why, yeah, conversations like this, you know, and and for people listening, going out, there's so much richness now in, you know, with podcasts, books, you know, everything that blogs you can find out about those risk factors and things like that. But, yeah, that what you were saying there, that the overall thing that you've noticed is that we're just extremely unhappy, you know, with, you know, living in this fast-paced culture. And we're, we're led to believe that these things will make us happy, you know, yeah. have the great job tick, have the great house tick, have the children or whatever it might be, travel. Mine was travel yeah. and, yeah. you know, being able to travel every year, a couple times a year. I mean, I was internationally travelling. You know, I had my two dogs, well, actually one dog at the time. I've got my two dogs now. Um, that's my family, my partner of many years. And, you know, but I was I was bloody unhappy. I was miserable. I was depressed. It was, you know, got that bad. It doesn't, yeah, make us happy. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of unhappy people and it can show up in our bodies. I mean, you were starting, you know, saying, yeah, we could be burnt out, definitely. But, yeah, it can come up as a heart attack. It can come up yeah. as... Yeah, depression, it can come up uh, so many ways, autoimmune conditions, stress-induced diabetes, shit, the list is endless, isn't it? Um, (laughs) And how it comes up that, you know, trying to keep in this this culture of busy and keeping up with everybody else as as well. Um, Yeah, so it's not not the key. Yeah, (laughs) I think we find, I've also noticed as well that, you know, women seem much more susceptible to the burnout because, you know, like you just were talking about, we we were fed the dream. We were fed the dream that you can have it all, and so we who who were we to question that dream? Mm. And we just all kept adding things to our lives. You added the, you know, you added the job, you added the travel, you add the uh, the children, you add the house cleaning. Like it just the list just goes on and on and on and on. Um, But we never stopped to question whether the dream was um, uh, faulty in any way. Does it actually work? Yeah, Yeah, no. But you're so right because the you know the evidence is out there that women are at at more risk of burning out than in the male population, and it seems to be what you know. And and I would concur is that 
yeah, but there's, we were fed that we could have it all. We could still be that, um, you know, the mum, the traditional mum or the mum, like we saw our mums be. And my, I don't know about your mum, but my mum was a stay-at-home mum. You know, she didn't, well, sorry, she did work. Definitely raising four kids. <laughs> but <laughs> but also she was, my dad had, they had a business and he, she would work a couple of nights a week in the office. So she was... <laughs> She was doing more than um, full-time work. Um, but, like, but we were fed the, you know, well, you could have the career. Well, as. And you can raise kids and it's like, and then manage a household because most of the caring duties are still performed by the woman, in, you know, the woman yeah. in the household. So the women I speak to who are mums, like, they seem to be playing, their CEO, their manager, their they're everything of their household as well as the parent and as well as trying to keep a career in, in their profession or whatever they're doing, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and might be on a part-time basis, which is even in some ways harder to do um, when you're only part-time there in your profession. But, yeah, anyway, it's just crazy, the expectations that we were were, were given, messages we were given. Um, <laughs> and then add social media in there where you're seeing other, you know, we tend to only portray the the positives um you know look at me at family holiday or you know it's like and so we're seeing that and thinking oh well why are we not um keeping it all together but the reality is none of us really are (laughs) not not possible (laughs) possible. I always like to that's why I share my story it's like he even as a psychologist with awareness and understanding about how to take care of yourself and even of the conditions you're at risk of. And I still fell prey to it because yeah. <laughs> I was still keeping up with the Joneses, so to say. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of complexity to it, but that was one of them. Um, but hey, yeah, fast paced world, living to the busy culture, we get ill. We just do. We get unhappy. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the things that I know with looking into your work that um, you know, that you help others with is finding this balance. Well, we can't change the fact that we have a busy culture and getting frustrated and annoyed at it, which I have been and still get, <laughs> doesn't help either because it is the reality that we face. And no one has the power to shift a culture on their own, of course, like, you know, um, power of many people and these kind of conversations. Yes, we can. But we're, you know, but we're in this fast-paced culture. We are living in this busy culture. How does one, yeah, find balance in this? Or what does this finding balance look like? That's what I, yeah, wanted to check in with you. (laughs) Right, yeah, I think firstly it's important to say that balance will look different for everyone. So what balance feels and looks like for me will be different to what it feels and looks like for you and it'll be different to what it feels and looks like for uh, all of your listeners. Um. But I think um, the first, and I, as I say, I think for many <clears throat> women or people, we we slowly lose our identity. And so most women that most women come and see me, they're in some shape or form lost their identity. So they've um, they've forgotten what brings them joy. They have very little in their life, and as they get you know more and more stuck into their work or their household duties. You know, they've stopped going to the movies or they've stopped going for a walk or having a cup of tea outside or whatever it is that brings them them joy. Mm-hmm. So uh, and and that balance. So the, one of the first things I do with my clients is um, we have a really big session around reminding ourselves about what used to make you happy mm-hmm. so that you've got that list. So we talk about, you know, what emotions do you like to feel and then what activities do you um, 
do you have you know do you need to do to bring that emotion to life and it's you know it's, it's quite a it's probably my the favorite session I do with my clients because they have that aha moment they're like oh, yeah that's right I remember you know like just sitting outside and and you know um feeling the warmth on my skin or just you know taking the time to go for a walk or feel hearing the waves you know crash onto the beach yeah that's that was that's a good feeling I like that mm-hmm. and when did you, you know then I'll say when did you last do it and they're like oh you know five years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that's a really for me a really important sort of first step in mm-hmm. um helping people figure out what balance might look like for them moving forward mm-hmm. and to present that little bit of hope that yeah. it still can exist you know you did you it wasn't that long ago that you were feeling these mm-hmm. great emotions um it's just tapping back into them mm-hmm. um so yeah so that's probably the first can, can I yeah I was gonna say what a beautiful way to start I know you said that yeah because often we go see a coach or a psych or a counselor whoever you know and that the focus is on uh, and can be and, and is on like the sort of yeah the the negatives I suppose you know what is going and how you're feeling but I love that um to yeah to tap into what are those emotions you want to be feeling those those often what we associate with positive and the joy and all that kind of stuff and what what has helped you feel that what are those loves um and helping them connect because yeah they walk away with that hope and that be able to reconnect um yeah that's beautiful I just love that and it made me think of my own story um one of the things that I did in my recovery was because uh, I was completely joyless there was no pleasure and <laughs> I um I, I don't know where it came from but I was like I'm gonna look back into my photo albums because my lovely mom kept photo albums yeah. um and I just wanted to go right back because I felt like the last time I was happy was when I was a kid which was not true but that's where my brain was at at the time so I went back with the lens of what sparked joy what what did you love doing and oh my god was that so um yeah invigorating that I I journaled about it because I was a I still am a journaler but yeah I I journaled about it it was such a beautiful thing to do and and to give me direction about how I could bring that back or not necessarily because some things I don't want to do anymore but like connecting with activities that could bring those emotions um so yeah it's a wonderful thing you do with your clients so that's like one of the is that one of the key factors with finding balance is doing this with your clients is that yeah yeah. absolutely for me it's the first step it's that Mm -hmm. you know reminding them how what happiness looks like yeah lovely Um, because once they yeah once they know what happiness looks like then we can work on the getting rid of the busy but Mm -hmm. it gives us a starting point and it also reminds them how that it is actually it will be easier than they thought mm-hmm. to bring back one or two things into their life mm-hmm. um, that is going to start to swing that pendulum back yeah. in the direction that they want it to go. It's yeah. possible. It's not complex. Often yeah. I know some of my clients go, it can't be that simple, like some of the things <laughs> we're doing because they're expecting because with something that is so obviously um, impactful on their life, we often believe that it needs to be a complex answer. Yeah. doesn't necessarily need to be or is yeah so oh that's such a brilliant first step love it actionable step that people can do is um yeah is connecting back with what brought them happiness before and bringing yeah. them into their lives 
Yeah. What about the second? Because I know, yeah, there is season. I know I haven't mentioned, but yeah, we were talk, um, talking before um, this about, yeah, there's these five key actionable steps yeah. you have with finding balance. Well, I feel like it's almost like, yeah, finding or reconnecting with this joy, but overall balance. So that's the first key step. Is that right? I'm getting that yeah, right. Yeah, that's part of the pre-step. And then I've pre-step. got the five. That's the pre-step. And the okay, next cool. five steps really focus on the person who is completely burnt out. They've completely, you know, swung the pendulum the wrong way. They are just so stuck in busy and have yeah. got no idea what to do first. They're like, yeah. where do I start? I'm so yeah. overwhelmed. All I know is I'm on this um hamster wheel and it's turning but yeah it's not working so the first thing I get clients to do is to literally just look at their calendar for the next like two weeks Mm. and look at what they can say no to what can they go back and cancel Mm. um because we we need to open ourselves up to put that free space back in our lives and until you you know you say no to I don't really need to go to that dinner on Saturday night or um, I don't really need to uh, watch training for my son or I don't really need to um, you know also do this and this they they yeah giving themselves permission so that's step one I'm just unscheduled yeah give yourself permission to slow down Mm. Um, and then the second step, if you want me to continue, yeah, is yeah, please uh, do, yeah, yeah. And, and then we'll we'll double up, yeah, but yeah, cool. yeah, but that's such a yeah, um, and I love that just taking two weeks, because you know, again, that you know, just being able to hone in on a couple of weeks rather than the whole kind of you know life. It's like let's just look at the next two weeks and look at what we can take off, like taking that load off, which is such an important first step with burnout when it's reached its peak as it's, yeah, it's definitely targeting the load. But I love that you get them to focus on just a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, the next couple of weeks. It's really, yeah. Yeah. And then the second step uh, I encourage my clients to look at is the the refueling stage. So I guess that comes back to my roots, you know, very passionate about the being physical, physically well, and so I really challenge them to look at their sleep, nutrition and exercise habits mm-hmm. um, and encouraging them to make conscious decisions in that space over that same next couple of weeks that's oh, yeah. going to help refuel them again and help give them that brain power again. Mm-hmm. You know, often when you're at that state of burnout, like your brain's not working, so you can't make good decisions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so first if we unschedule and we just, you know, take a couple of things up our plate mm-hmm. and then we refuel, within that couple of weeks, you know, you do start to feel a bit more energised. You do start to have moments where your brain feels a little bit clearer and you've got a little bit more clarity and you've got a little bit more belief um, that you can start to maybe make some changes in, in your life that's going to, you know, head sure you head down the right path yeah finding that balance yeah with starting with these yeah yeah, yeah. starting the, with these couple of things yeah so refueling yeah such, such fundamental elements to our well-being you know yeah sleep nutrition movement and focusing on that in, and, yeah, and most people who are busy they've forgotten they've stopped that they've stopped eating well they've stopped going to, you know they might know they need 10 hours of sleep a night but they've stopped doing it yeah <laughs> I think they're yeah, like how they can't possibly go to bed at night. Well, you can, you can, because yeah. then you 
start your next day, you're much more productive and you achieve a lot more in a lot less time. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that's step two. And then step three um, is when it, is when we get into, like, the reflection stage. Mm. So this is when we start to look at, okay, we've, yeah, we've unscheduled, I'm feeling healthier. Mm. Now it's to try to figure out what the real problem is. So mm. is it work? Uh, is it the constant running around for your kids? Is it that, you know, you're currently um, bookended by ageing parents and you've got your young kids? You know, what is it that's, um, mm. is it that, you know, that you're carrying the whole mental load, really narrowing, you know, writing, jotting down everything uh, that, that's currently um, adding to your busyness? Yeah. Um, and then giving it a score out of 10. Mm. So I think it's really important. You probably do, you've done this too, Shannon, like, mm. Um, maybe not <laughs> we feel but, overwhelmed because there is there's so much on our plate but if we take the time to write it all down mm. and we take the time to give each area of overwhelm a number yeah we're, we're starting to visually see that there's there is a difference it's, it's not all we're not everything's not overwhelmed it's the same level um and actually yes it's overwhelming me but it's not that bigger deal or or it's it's only minor and you can start to see the ones that are really um probably the root of the problem so I yeah I love the number thing and that's something uh, I haven't done it in that way but I love it because when we're overwhelmed it could be that all those things are contributing but the numbering helps and such a a great thing for the listeners the numbering helps to identify where the root of the issue is so then in, in working with you, you can na- narrow down on that issue, that area to find out the, the crux of that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really brilliant intervention there in itself. Hold on. Yeah. yeah. So once they've reflected and we've got this big list, <laughs> we've got <our> <laughs> yeah. we then look at, and then encourage them to choose one of their busier scores um, and we dive deeper again. So then yeah. we sort of uh, write down all the things about, so like, say if they've chosen work, you know, that are making them, to feel overwhelmed so is it yeah. you know the pile of unanswered emails the report they need to finish the number of meetings each day you know what whatever it is you know just just jot jot it all down mm. um, and usually people could come up with again this helps because it's like that you've started off with this big problem and they'll break it down to say six and then we're looking at one and we're creating lots of mini um things that are happening each day that are adding to your overwhelm Mm. Um, so once we have that list, I sort of get them to identify. We brainstorm. I'm a, like I'm a real um, solutions focused person, mm-hmm. so I do work with my clients to you know keep asking them questions so that mm-hmm. they can come and identify their own solutions. Because for mm-hmm. every problem, you know, I do believe that with every problem there is a solution. So we'll look at it. So say you know they talk about um, you know the unanswered emails. We can, you know, we can talk to them about, you know, have you ever tried only looking at your emails three times a day, you know, or with the with the meetings, you know, have you blocked out focus time into your day? Like, what are you doing? How are you structuring your day so that it works for you? And these things that you've identified as overwhelming, we can we can shrink them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I do believe, you know, most people I work with, like, they're just not. They haven't the tool hasn't been shared with them before mm. um or the technique or the tip or mm. um yeah so if we have a really good chat about yeah whatever it is that they've mm. put as their number top busyness factor um right jot down the list um 
and then start to make yeah solutions what, what yeah doing that um brainstorming to well once the problems be or well, the root of the problems being identified which one's causing the most stress that looking at then brainstorming all possible solutions that like you said they may not have thought of already or I find too they're so caught up in the distress of it all themselves because they're the human experiencing this that they've as you said earlier too our our brains aren't functioning very well our decision making qualities all that kind of stuff is um, not as powerful in those times so having a coach having someone to be able to you know, um, brainstorm and, and and work through that and offer and, and come up with solutions can, you know, help in, in that area to find that balance or get them on that road to, to balance for them. Yeah. That's and I, I, I often find as well in this stage, you know, most people who are burnt out, um, they're not very good at delegating. Mm. You know, they, they like to, they take it all, want to do everything yeah. themselves. And so I often find that, you know, they one of their issues might be meetings, but the real issue is that, you know, they're they're creating the agenda, they're doing the minutes, they're not they're they're putting themselves down for too many actions. So, you know, I try to work with them, okay, okay, what are two things you can stop doing as well? So in this diving this stage where we dive deeper, what are you willing to let go in in this particular task that's overwhelming you? Is it, you know, yeah rotating the chair or rotating who writes the minutes or mm. is it making sure that when you are creating the action list that you're only giving yourself one task or that you're yeah. you know even that everyone in your team is getting for you know being allocated the right number of tasks based on uh, their capacity yeah so I find that pretty powerful too is yeah in this stage you've got to look at what are you going to stop doing yeah, no, definitely. So some of the solutions in this in this stage, in this third key factor, is that it's about what they can let go of, you know, in the in the behaviors that they're engaging in that are contributing to them being so chronically stressed and burnt out, which can be yeah, taking on too much and finding it hard to delegate, which can be part of that. Yeah, and I certainly find that as as well. Actually, made me think of um. I, I I called myself toxically independent, which I thought I actually coined the term and then Googled and found out, nope, um, there's, uh, and I know there's a lot of people, but I, again, it was messages from younger years and uh, think it's a generational thing as well uh, that, yeah, it was just that you, you did everything yourself. So I would never ask for help. I'd never um, put something on someone else. Um, I would always do it myself and I called it toxic because it, well, it burnt me out, caused yeah. depression. It was part of the picture for me. So, yeah, such a vital point you're making here is that it's not necessarily adding, you know, in this reflection and problem solving with these stresses that, you know, it might not necessarily, yeah, be something different or well, I suppose something different you're doing, but it might be letting go of things, yeah, the stopping doing things rather than, yeah, doing something different. Yeah, I suppose it's yeah. different, but it's stopping doing something. Yeah. yeah. The other really big one I see is that, you know, how we CC everyone into an email mm. and you're, you're then, so say if you're the manager and you're, all of your employees are CCing you, then all of a sudden you're opening up so much mm. load scanning these emails. So another great, you know, thing I encourage people in that space is stop getting CC'd. You know, the, the minute you stop being CC'd into emails and you trust mm. that in that weekly update you have from your team member that you're going to get all the relevant information, mm. 
right? You know, hours are saved because you haven't yeah. a read the emails, b you haven't spent time or energy wondering how they're going to solve it, mm. and then by the time you meet with them in a week, not only have they had you know maybe twenty emails going back and forth, they've problem solved, they've come up with a solution, and all mm. they present to you is the outcome or the, the way forward, and mm. you know it's it's powerful. It's so much more powerful to just you know, see the outcome or the, the way forward and, and mm. not have had spent any of that time wondering what they're going to do. Mm. No, such a, yeah, because I was thinking not only hourly but the mental load as well yeah. of, of of that and, yeah, some of these things like they're simple but so cost, not cost, sorry, well, cost in terms of our, our health, cost saving in terms of our health and well-being, um, yeah. bringing that back. Um, and it made me think of an old manager that I used to work under. Um, I was a team leader and she was the you know the lead and the manager and just some things that she put in place that, um, and I won't go into details, but it allowed her not, because she was like, okay, I trust, she's got a team of five, six team leaders who, you know, help on the ground, um, the running day to day. And and she didn't need to be overseen and everything. And we would catch up once a week. It was just, yeah. And we didn't have to CC her in to all these emails. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. She really was stuff. time. <laughs> she was, yeah. I mean, she's interesting enough. She had a combination of um, psych and business degree, um, MBA and stuff like that. And many, many years on the ground experience in, in both those things and life, you know, as well. So, um, yeah, learned a lot off that lady. Um, yes. So appreciated working with her. Um so yeah, so we've got three three down, and and some of already talking to some of the challenges or what you notice, um, or not challenges, but the important the intricacies of some of these steps as well, like with the reflection step and that problem solving that is often delegating and letting go. Um, what are these last two ones um, in the you know for the burnt out individual to help yeah. finding that getting onto that road of balance? that unique, that is unique to the individual, as you pointed yeah. out earlier. Um, so the next one is just is basically to act. So mm. it's to look at everything you've jotted down and put some sort of a plan into action. So what are you going to hold yourself accountable to over the next couple of weeks um, that's going to help you shift this level of busyness that you're feeling? So it, it comes back to um, the things that you've identified that you want to unschedule and staying true to those. It might be one or two things around your refueling, around what you've you know um, said to yourself that you're going to achieve. And then it's starting to put uh, one or two things in place around this main thing we've identified um, that might make a difference. Mm -hmm. And look, you know, as you would have experienced too, you've got to start slow. You know, you're mm -hmm. not, if you try to take bite off too much. Um, you're just going to be left disappointed. Yeah. So I definitely work with clients to say, let's just, you know, let's pick you know, two or three things. Yeah. Um, what is it that you're going to own? What is it that you're going to be able to come back in a couple of weeks and say, you know what, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go out to dinner and I did, you know, action is in my meetings or whatever, like, um, yeah, small attainable steps that yeah. are going to make a difference. And, you know, and I also in this acting stage, you know, um, it's not always going to work. So you're going to you're gonna say no to things, but then something else could trigger and that's okay. So it's just about in this act phase, just really listening, you know, listening to the way you respond to these changes that you've made and, yeah, you know, did it work or did it yeah, create a bigger stress elsewhere or um, 
just yeah, acknowledging it and this is just that learning phase. Yeah, I love that. So that's such a protective factor around that stage with your clients too. Because, yeah, I, you know, to those important messages, start small, um, that expectation that this may not work, you know, and, and to remain listening and, and observing. Um, I often pitch it as like exploring, you know, um, uh, you know, to find out what works for you. And, and but having that conversation with a person, because often I've noticed in, you know, in, in my time with working that often we, uh, my clients and we, me too, higher expectations, like we, you know, and we want things to work because we're so, you know, especially when we're already so burnt out, we want to, we want these things to be the magic, <laughs> you know, to help us feel better. But you and I know, and, um, and yeah, that it's more that it, it's experimentation and exploration and and tuning in, trial and error. Um, you know, yeah, working it out. But yeah, starting small, I, I I love that too. Yeah, yeah, especially when you're burnt out because we we can't do, and and we and we don't want to keep with the busy culture with our recovery because <laughs> that's that's what I did initially. I was the do 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 that I then burnt out so much that I couldn't work. And then I was like, I want to get better. Um, so then I applied and I committed to therapy. And then I applied my same doing nature to my therapy to start with. Um, but thank God I caught that a little bit earlier and, and then slowed things down and went, no, no, no. <laughs> this and, is going to take some That's the key, isn't it? Like we go through this process and we learn tools and so that we can catch ourselves earlier each time. And that's really success. If you catch yourself, a moment earlier each time then then it's working you know exactly you, yeah you are you are heading the right way and yeah. I also say you know um, with my clients and even me personally mm. like I I reset two to four times a year because depending on you know the kids cycle at school whether you know it's sport or start of the year you know change when their sporting uh, commitments change and I reset because I, I I do find as well that things creep into my world, you know, like I feel really good and I'm like, oh, I'm great. I'm, I'm nailing this balancing at the moment. So I say, oh, yes, I'm now going to say yes to this. And then I have to catch myself and go, you know, was it worth it? Is it working? Have I then pushed myself too far again? Do I need to say no to that now or is there something else that I want to remove so that I can keep doing that because I've said yes for the right reasons but it has tipped me a little bit too far so now we're, we're, what else is going to give? Yeah. Um, so you purposely scheduled, sorry, purposely, yeah, set these resetting uh, times in your in your year, like you said, four, yeah, four times yeah. to check in, like to purposely check in, um, you know, about how things are. Yeah, yeah. Going. And, I, look, yeah. and now it's a bit more natural like I don't have natural. to sort of sit down and look at you know do it but I can just yeah I just reset at the end of each school term basically because you know yeah. my kids are at school so it's a good it's easy to know right school yeah. holidays taps on to a well they do say that right with any new behavior I mean it's become a lot more automatic for you now because you've been consciously choosing that for some time but they do say to tap it on it to something that is already you know yes. quite automatic okay. like yeah, end of school term. Um, makes sense. Um, so that's yeah, but it 
as you said, it's become a lot more natural for you to do automatically. So I imagine it, it might be even during the term sometimes, but yeah, definitely at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Whenever you know you're going a bit the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, I'm sensing, oh, I'm noticing. Yeah, sense, yeah. This isn't working, this isn't going to work. Nice, um, nice. And then the last little bit with that yeah. act phase, I guess it's act part two, yeah. is um, looking back then to the happy list that you wrote. Oh, yes. So what did you write at the beginning that makes you happy and which activity are you going to give yourself permission to do over these next couple of weeks? Yeah. Right, because you've said no to stuff and you've looked after your health and yeah. um, what's what's something that's manageable. And, and again, it's slow, like mm-hmm. depending what phase you are. If you're, you know, if you're a new mom and you've got a newborn, well, uh, it might be as simple as having a hot shower, you know, mm-hmm. like it's what is it that brings you joy? And if it's that hot shower and um you're a single mom, then who needs to come over and look after bums while you're in the shower sort of thing. So it's yeah. just, yeah, really making sure that they walk out with with one thing that they're going to add to their week or fortnight or whatever it is um, that will hopefully spark that joy again. And then, mm. of course, we know when we're happy or we're doing things that make us bring us joy, bring us joy we feel more energised. Yeah, definitely. Really it's so important I love what you said there too like it's wherever you are at your time in life and using that example of a new mum um it you know and and of course you've got this full-on dependent child and it's not like you can do much but there's yeah a a hot shower um uh, you know I was even thinking uh, you know going for walks you know bubs in a in a pram and it might be some some of the things I actually I mean I'm not mum but I I find and I was doing it actually when I was unwell as, as well, when I was walking the dogs is uh, flowers bring me joy. Yeah. Um, so I was consciously choosing to look at flowers as I'd walk along and even stop and look and really savor the experience to allow that joy, even though I wasn't feeling it straight away, but over time it did, it didn't take long actually, um, to feel that joy in, in that moment. But it can be it, often the things that spark joy are quite simple in yeah. available and accessible to us all but it's reconnecting with that yeah and uh, when we're in the thick of it, it can be hard too but you know being able to sit down with a coach like you and be able to reconnect with those things and and figure out what is accessible in our time in our life because that's got to, yeah. when you've got a, a, a kid <laughs> about um or you're running a, you know, uh, running a business, you know, a solo business or whatever, you know, there's so many barriers or potential blocks and barriers, but it can be the simple things It's possible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So that's part two of, of yeah. the act. Yeah. It's bringing back that, ha- the stuff that you've already identified as what brings you joy yeah. and, and bringing those in and committing to that action in that yeah. fourth key factor. Mm. The fifth actionable step. Yeah, I guess, and the fifth is just to um, to review. You know, we yeah. just need to review. It, you know, so like yeah. I was going to say before, it's a working process. You got to start mm. slow. It's baby steps. Um, you're yeah. not going to get it right the first time, but if you um, are committed to changing the path that you're on mm. um, by following these steps and reviewing it, you know, regularly. Yeah. Um, you will you will make the changes that you've been craving. Yeah, definitely. Like I see so much richness in, in, in all of that. And I was just wondering, 
you know, with your experience with with uh, helping people and even applying it to yourself, as as we've heard as well, what sort of benefits do you notice that you know, probably outside of what we were like, you know, joy, finding joy and happiness, but just some of the other things that your clients report or that yeah, you've noticed, um, yeah, about um, finding yeah, this balance guess, in this way. Um, one of the things I was going to mention later around one of the challenges is. Oh, yeah, and I wanted so to talk about yeah, challenges yeah, as well. Yeah, is around the communication. Mm-hmm. So communicating your needs with whoever is uh, important in your life. Yeah. Um, so that's probably one of the big ones is once, you know, normally, like you said, we're that toxic independence. <laughs> Many of us can yeah. uh, lay claim to that. Really? Even myself yeah. personally, I, I was I'm grateful that I had my first child and then I had my twin second. Okay. Because when I had my first child, I was that toxic, independent person and I wanted to do it all myself. Mm-hmm. And then when I fell pregnant with twins, I was like, there is no way I can do this myself. Mm-hmm. You know, all the books tell you you can't. And so I, finally I was ready to not be <laughs> my toxic <Yeah>. self. <laughs> yeah. So help. Um, but, yeah, the big one is you. the big change I see is and what I empower clients I work with is you've got to take someone else on the journey with you and the ones that have the most success are the ones that have got the confidence and the courage to talk to their partner about the way they're feeling and what yeah. support they need from their partner um, mm. to make the shifts they want. And, you you know, I think one of the best things is that they often come the next time and they're like, oh, you know, my husband was so supportive or my partner was so supportive and, mm. you know, because they, they want you to be happy, right? So they will go above and beyond to allow you that time or space that you need but because most people have never communicated it Mm. the partner's kind of in limbo waiting tell them what you want so that's a that's um one of the best things yeah like you said a challenge a challenge that a lot of your clients face is that being able to communicate yeah what's going on for them and what they need uh and at the same time, it's, yeah, one of the things that helps with recovery as well or helps with that finding that balance, that joy is being able to have that conversation, to have someone along the journey with you. Uh, it sounds like also that it would strengthen or has strengthened relationships. Um, I, I'm And I'm, I'm sure there are times where there are, um, and I just want to acknowledge it, where people have, because I've had this with clients where they have shared that there's a partner not willing yeah. um, or not able yeah. or something. Um, so there is that downside sometimes. Um, but certainly, yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, there, there's a percentage of time where we communicate what we need, um, we share what we're feeling, and it it often, yeah, brings us closer together, you know, when there's that willingness on both sides. And I, I know from my own personal experience as well, it took me a lot to share how I felt and what I needed because, I learned that, no, I was in service of other people, not people helping me um, yeah. and allowing that in. But it was the, yeah, one of the, it, one of the be- most beautiful things to actually happen um, in, in my recovery too um, by just asking for what I needed and sharing what I was feeling. Yeah. Strengthen my I, relationship. Yeah. And then I think the other major shift you see is, mm. is the amount of energy people have ah, when, they, yeah. when they start to, you know, consciously, say no to the things that aren't serving them and then say mm. yes to those one or two things that are because uh, energy is powerful, right, and if we can tap into mm. what gives us energy and then what 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 our energy zappers in the day, um, 
yeah. Yeah. Then you, you, the people around you see that shift. They see that you, mm. you know, you come to the table with a little bit more presence, and, and yeah, and the, you know, you're an active. You become that active listener again, mm. and you're, um, yeah. So I think energy when when you when you creating balance, your yeah. energy shifts for the better, and that's yeah. probably one of the yeah. nicest wins or one of the nicest outcomes that comes from like doing this process. Definitely, because it's also one of the things, I don't know if you notice, you know, with, with clients as well, but I know one of the things that the clients I work with who are in the depths of burnout, they that's one of the struggles. They're just like, I have no energy and, and it really grates on them. And then one of the things as they're um, progressing and stuff, uh, you know, is that when that energy comes back and how much that lights them up and because yeah. they know what it's like to not have it and then, have it and um and it's beautiful to see and I remember even you know I keep going back to my own experience but I remember that I sort of woke up one morning and it wasn't like oh my god I all, all of a sudden have energy I just was more aware that there was energy that was more consistently present whereas when I was in the thick of burnout I'd wake up like I hadn't slept I had slept but I didn't I never felt like I slept um there wasn't obviously the quality of sleep and I was burnt out. That was the sign. But to wake up and not feel like I hadn't had a sleep was the biggest present anyone could have gotten me. So, yeah, you see that with your clients too, that joy, that's, that's um, you know, one of the trade-offs too. And I know I feel like I'm going something from, you know, really beautiful, the benefits, but the, we've also said, you know, like the challenges, and I didn't want to skip over that too, you know, the challenge of communicating what we need, especially if we're being toxically independent. Um, but also the, I was just thinking, and I didn't want to skip over this, you know, being able to say no, uh, to things to be able, you know, in that your step with two, that first step, that first key factor, looking at that two weeks ahead and saying no to things, taking it off your plate. And I was just wondering, you know, and, and even with the sleep, nutrition and movement, any sort of challenges that come up there? Because I, I know with working with my clients and I know with my own experiences, there were challenges with saying no and putting boundaries in. Um, there was challenges with prioritising, um, particularly around nutrition for me. Um, movement and sleep is not necessarily a drama for me, but nutrition has always been a drama. Um, but, yeah, what, what sort of yeah challenges there and, and um, yeah, if there's any yeah. you wanted to talk to, yeah. Um, yeah, I think... I think one of the ones I see most often and the you know is the thought that people are worried the world's gonna fall apart if they say no to something and they hold on to that and it's it's crippling. You know, they really believe um, like they might come and they listen to this process and that it might help them, and then they go back and they're like, but I can't. I just yeah. I can't because this or you know this won't happen, <laughs> mm. or my child won't get to do this or this. And it's like, mm. just give it a go and see. Yeah. Like your you, your child might be happier as well, not going to X activity or uh, having some downtime in the afternoon or whatever it is. Um, and we know once you do it once that the world didn't fall apart, yeah. and my world, you know, my real world didn't fall apart, and uh it actually felt good so i think that's one of the main challenges that first time of yeah 
Yeah, like the the mind kicks in that yeah, like anxiety, right? Fear, like yeah. the, it's the world's going to fall apart, and that's a real yeah. I noticed that too uh, with with people like faced with you know needing to take off the load somewhere and saying no to things. It brings up a lot of discomfort, often in the you know, fear, anxiety, and uh, and it often takes yeah, it's it's doing it um, that creates a different message back to the mind that hey, no, the world didn't fall apart, but it's not till we do it that we can get that new message, you know, and not the message we're currently hearing in our head that everything's going to be doom and gloom if we don't do it. Yeah, I think the other big one main challenge is like it just goes against everything that we've been told so far, mm. and I think there's a lot of you know you've got to be okay with sitting with that uncomfortable like I remember the first time I sat on the couch and did nothing you know it's like this I shouldn't be doing this and what's my husband gonna say when I you know if he comes home and I'm just sitting on the couch yeah you know it's it it's tricky um yeah. and a lot of people really struggle with that initially because it feels so wrong it yeah. feels so foreign and um and they, they they can't do it. They they or they see the mess, yeah. and they just have to clean it. You know, so there's a yeah. lot of programming that we come with, isn't it? Up until that time, that uh, fuels that difficulty. And so when we're engaging in that new behaviour, as you said, it does take a, a need to be willing to sit in that discomfort because it's going to feel wrong doesn't mean that it's wrong yes. but it's going to feel wrong because of that programming we've been taught you know that we should be like you said it earlier you know with the busy culture we've been taught that resting is lazy sitting down is lazy taking care of ourselves is selfish or whatever the rules that or the messages that we that come from the culture in which we live in you know systemically you know the world culture but also family culture possibly that's um you know education you know there's so many things that form our culture and our learned programming but we don't need to continue with that programming but it will feel weird <laughs> as we're transitioning but it doesn't mean that it's wrong keep doing it I remember actually a, a colleague of mine a mentor that he often describes sort of he does some work in like uh, his work is more in the compassion and helping people become compassionate towards themselves. And he often uses that being starting to do the self-compassionate acts can feel like a, a new pair of shoes that don't quite feel right. Like, yeah. and, but we need to wear them in. Um, so that's just, and I love that it's sat with me and I share that with my clients when, you know, whether it's self-compassion or saying no, which is compassionate really for ourselves, um, that, you know, it, it can feel like a you know new pair of shoes for a bit. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that it's wrong pair of shoes. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. So like any, uh, any other sort of challenges or even those benefits that you want to share with us before? Yeah, before I just want to give space to that if there was any any others. Um, no, I think they're sort of the main challenges. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> the other challenge is time. <laughs> time, bloody time, hey. We could do bloody a whole time. section on that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I really by doing the process they've started to see that you know the time and I think the other thing is you know this process as well is there are there will always be things in your life that you consider toxic you know not ideal so this process isn't about 
yeah, getting rid of everything um, that's because some things you have to do, but mm. um, it's working with you know, the person to to find that balance of yeah. something you have to do and that's okay, um, but you won't resent them as much mm. when, when you've also got other things in your life that, that yeah. you've got, got something to look forward to. So, um, mm. yeah, we're not here to sell, you know, such lollipops and rainbows. <laughs> there is the, so there is you the might, reality. Yeah. You may be still picking up after the kids, cleaning the house and things like (laughs) things that you don't want to do. But when we have more balance and that energy is coming in, these things don't grate us as much or our mindset, because it's a lot healthier, might see the value out of those things. You know, I certainly see that shift as well in myself. Things like, like I remember my husband saying I was so irritable, everything would spark uh, a fight. Um, like things like you know he he doesn't fold laundry he'll take it off the line but he won't fold yeah. laundry but I would just be because I was so stressed out and so imbalanced whereas yeah. now he still doesn't fold the laundry yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't care um, yeah. I just don't care um, I'm able to see the bigger picture I'm able to see what he does contribute what I contribute and and I just it just doesn't you know I just yeah because I'm more balanced I think yeah it does make a difference and there's still the have to's yeah it's not sunshines and sunshine roses we might still be caring for elderly parents we may still be you know facing our own chronic illnesses you know but there's a we can find calm within that space with finding more balance yeah we can find happiness and joy within that um doesn't mean that we're not having days where we're sad and unhappy and yeah. frustrated, but more of a balance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, um, so much richness that is and wisdom that is already shared in in the um in our chat already. I was just wondering, is there I always like to ask this of my guests, if there's sort of one thing or that uh like a key message. And it might be something that you've already shared today, but just something to to leave the audience with, you know, that to take away in this, um, you know, chat about busy to balance, you know, finding happiness in a fast-paced world. What would be that key thing? Yeah, I think for me it's just around trust the process. Mm-hmm. So trust that the world's not going to fall apart. Trust that there is a different way of being mm-hmm. and that it can bring you the missing links that you you know that you're currently not having so yeah the, the sooner you're willing to trust the process and give it a go and and change your destiny um the you know the, the quicker it's going to happen the better mm-hmm. better yeah the better it'll be trust the process that's it and and I love that word process because it is a process it's not like oh suddenly find ourselves here you know from here like from you know burnt out to balanced it's there's there's, it's a process and it's ongoing process as well but trust it yeah which I always like trust it's such a hard thing sometimes isn't it like but it's a part of trust I I take this from Brene Brown. She talks about part of trust is faith and not yeah. faith in a in a deity or anything like that, faith that there's something we can't see yet, you yeah. know. Um, so part of trust is faith. But also all this wisdom and knowledge that you shared, past, part of trust is also the knowledge that you're gaining from people who've been there, done that, work in this space, you know, connect with that knowledge, that, that wisdom, and combine that with faith. And, you know, trust in that process and keep walking out. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing I sort of say to clients as well is that it's okay to live a full life, mm. just not a 
busy life. Yeah. So people will still say to me, oh, you're so busy. I'm like, I'm not busy. I said, my life is full. My life is full doing things that make me happy and bring me joy. And I love doing what I do, you know. So, um, yeah. So I think we need to change the narrative a little bit and start saying that our goal is to live a full life that's balanced and brings us joy. I love that. I've never actually, I've got like little goosies. Um, (laughs) That that word, I don't think I've had a word yet because, yeah, I – People will look at me and go, you're busy. You know, you're doing this, 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 this. But it's full. Yeah. It's full. Like, um, yes, it's full, but it's not busy. I don't, it's totally different to how um, I used to live. And it's full. I just didn't have a word. Language narrative is so powerful. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you from me to you. <laughs> now, I'm imagining, and I know um, people listening, watching this back, I you know, want to want to know how to get in touch with you, you know, whether it is to work with you one-on-one or or whether it's to engage in any resources you have out there. And I've mentioned your book, but this is um, how, how would people get in touch with, how can they connect with your resources? Yeah, that you have on offer. Yeah, so um, I'm the founder of Conscious Living Hub. So you can find me on the internet or Facebook or Instagram um, basically, I yeah use those platforms to just share tips and ideas on how people can um, live a more well, a more balanced life, um, and a lot of focus on mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, helping people create the right mindset. Uh, as you mentioned before, yeah, I was uh, very fortunate to co-author a book called Goodbye Busy, Hello Happy, which is a book um, that. 26 ladies co-authored and they all share their own story um, and it's really powerful um I've read it I've you know obviously I share one um way that you can recreate balance and mine's one of many so when you you know if you take the time to read the book there'll be something that resonates um you'll find a chapter that you know is your starting point because we're all again at a difference there'll be something that you'd be like yep that's where I'm at now. I need to do that chapter first and then I'll be ready for the next, uh, someone mm-hmm. else's uh, insights. Um, and then, yeah, you, I, you know, you can engage me as a speaker if you'd like me to talk to, you know, um, your groups around burnout um, or, yeah, I'm available to, as, as a coach. Yeah. Oh, so much. Uh, and I'm totally getting that book <laughs> to read. I'm I'm such a I love people's stories. I love learning from them. Uh, there's so much wisdom in that, and and I love uh, what you're about to there. That you know, just even spreading that message. Like we might resonate with someone else's story or someone else's way, and it's just finding your way and finding what works with you, yeah. and and just keep exploring and trusting that process too, and keep find yeah finding that way uh i'm going to leave all those details of course in in the bio of um wherever you're watching this podcast so you can find these details to connect with Ange. um definitely uh and and please do uh it's been an absolute pleasure to sit down and deep dive into your work and into your wisdom i've uh, this is what i love about doing this podcast is i get the (laughs) i get so much wisdom there's um so much um value that I get from just sitting down and having these conversations and meeting people like yourself and what you're giving out into the world and it comes from such a personal space which I think just makes it all that much richer um so thank you for your time Ange thank you for having me you're welcome thank you for listening to when burnout becomes reality podcast 
This pod relies on the power of its listeners to push it out to the four corners of the earth in hope that it reaches as many people in need as possible. So please like, share, follow, comment, or leave a review. Pay it forward, and I will be forever grateful. If you'd like to share your burnout to recover experience, or you are an expert working in the burnout field and would like to share your wisdom on the pod, please email me at shannonswales at burnoutpsychologysupport.com. To keep up to date with episode releases, please follow us on your favorite podcast provider or by joining our mailing list for at www.burnoutpsychologysupport.com. To check out the Burnout Psychology Services on offer at Burnout Psychology Support, my telehealth practice, visit www.burnoutpsychologysupport.com forward slash psychology services. Once again, thank you for listening and please take care of yourself. Bye for now.